to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good evening, listener, and welcome to the Big Red Couch. Here in a mostly empty room, I'm Craig. And I'm Ben, on the other side of slightly cluttered room. So, how's it going? Um... It, it's going okay. I, I recently moved with the result that I am sitting on a folding chair at a folding table that I bought from the local hardware store because the only things I have to sit on are the floor. It does sound a bit Spartan, but we can work on that, I'm sure. The folding chair and the folding table gave me a, like a headless corpse and topless bar vibe, but you didn't quite get there. I'm missing the reference... It's a film, which is kind of more of a play thing, and I don't, I don't recall anything more than the title. A headless corpse in a topless bar. Okay, yep. all right, that'll be entertaining for the show notes. <laughs> I mean, that's right up there with the jukebox switch to the Mormon Tabernacle Choir of Louis Louis uh, cover of Louis Louis. Which, to be fair, I would, I would purchase that album. You have a history of making those sorts of choices. Don't think we don't know that. Are you judging me because of the fact that I purchased a CD by Glampire? Uh, I was more thinking of uh, Moldy Old Dough by Lieutenant Pigeon, to be honest. I They did get onto Top of the Pops. <laughs> That's not relevant at all. <laughs> and I, I like the fact that the reason that the piano in it sounds like it's some revolting old upright piano played by somebody's mum is that it's a upright piano played by the singer's mum. Yeah, yeah. That's <sighs> See, this now has to go into the show notes. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Mm. That's fine. People can click on those links and be reminded that we are dreadful people. But however, talking about old, weird music seems particularly appropriate because of the prompt this week. Nice. Yep, yep, we've done this before, folks. <sighs> the, the prompt for this week comes to us, I believe, from the brain of Thunderstep and reads... Song of the Old Gods, the Colour Out of Space album. Yes, and this constitutes episode Big Red Couch 122. So, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of episodes. An unmerciful amount of episodes, yes. So, this seems to this seems to cover ground we've touched on before. I mean, we've had other band-themed or music-themed ideas that we've spun off into bands and so forth. Is it just me feeling the uh, relatively small amount of mental bandwidth that I'm dealing with at the moment? Or is, is it something that we've, we have, we are going to have to freshen up somehow? I know we have, we have done band-related stuff before, but I'm, I'm struggling to think of like specific episodes. I know I did something for uh, Starbuck Magic Horse. Oh, that's right. Yes, they were the retouring band, Starbuck Magic Force mm-hmm. and the Existential Vacuum of uh, Modern Acquaintance. Yes. Yes. I'm still impressed that I remember that. Yeah. Also, Starbuck Magic Horse is one of the passwords I use at work. <laughs> I don't even have a response for that. Cool. It, it's probably a good thing that nobody can see passwords, like by definition, or I would have yeah, many, yeah, yeah. many questions to answer. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... Bad news, there's been a security breach. Even bad news, apparently your password's file is a full confession of your crimes. 
<laughs> Odd choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting way of doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, indeed. So, I, I I came across a bunch of interesting stuff largely because because the idea was in my head, but haven't really formed a feels like a concrete game idea. But you know, that's that, that's partially why we do this, and partially just to keep us you know faculties from degrading entirely. How how did you fare? I found my ideas kept on being diverted down paths I didn't want to follow. Fair enough. Yes, that is the... Uncle Howie has left us with a dubious legacy, so that's not... Yep. And um, just to address some some recent events at at and around the time of recording, um, as we record this, um, a couple of weeks ago in... Christchurch in New Zealand. There is no good way to say this. 50 people were murdered in a terrorist attack on two mosques. Hmm. It is an unprecedented slaughter for New Zealand. Uh, given the size of the country, it's almost nobody who isn't in some way peripherally affected, even if they just happened to know somebody who knew somebody. Hmm. You, you get that with small countries, it's a thing. Um, and the reason I am bringing this up, other than because we didn't really have a response to make at the time, because how the hell do you make a response to that? It was hideous. The I, Yes, the ideas that came to mind for Song of the Old Gods, the Color Out of Space album, unfortunately kept on running into white nationalism, white supremacists, uh, and, and extremist philosophy. Well, yes. And then this is an even crazy Uncle Howie's yeah. fault. This is, this is something completely different. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, no, it's kind of the, one of the things we've learned is that fascism loves its memes. And yeah, being in New Zealand over, over this period has been sobering on a number of levels. There's a lot of things like, oh, we're not like this. It shouldn't happen here. This is not us kind of stuff. But it's like, um, sorry, it kind of is. This is a massive outlier, but it was still within the ambit of the way people thought about immigrants and people coming into the country. It is, this buried the needle, but it was still swinging. It's still been swinging in that sort of direction for a while. The slightly ironic thing is that the previous attack that had any sort of vague correlation with this was i'm not sure if it was like an official um colonial government action or it was just sort of vaguely approved of was the um the sack of parihaka which was a passive resistance to colonial efforts in the province of taranaki where i grew up and it was 150 years ago and it was during the land wars and it was not a great time, but it was still super racist, and we're still dealing with the fallout from that to a degree. So, hi all. It's Ben doing an editing booth insert to clarify something. The name of Parihaka was in my mind due to hearing it being mentioned in passing on the radio, but during the editing, I wanted to check my recollection of New Zealand history and to suss a few things out. Well, the invasion of a peaceful spiritual settlement. Um, it was a tragedy and um, another low point in New Zealand history. It can't be described as a massacre in the same way the events of Christchurch, and as a tale in its own right, which I hope I can quickly do some justice to. During the 1800s, 
European settlers had begun to arrive in New Zealand in increasing numbers. And the fundamental differences in the way that land ownership was even conceived of by Native Maori and the new arrivals, and the pressure being placed on the local government to fund a rugged and almost completely undeveloped land, had caused conflicts to start to build between local Maori tribes and settlers. The New Zealand Wars, as they were called, were a string of regional conflicts between 1845 and 1872, and despite the rebel Maori tribe skill at conducting a guerrilla conflict, defensive innovations in the face of the latest military technology that informed tactics into the early 20th century, and some magnificent bravado in the face of disproportional odds, they did not have the logistical base to defeat the British army of that era, once it changed tactics to attack the limited economic bases of the groups that would not submit. Much of Taranaki, a province on the west coast of the North Island, was seized, and a group led by a pair of chiefs and prophets, Tefiti Durongamai and Tohu Kakahi, established a peaceful settlement at Parihaka. They'd both been deeply influenced by the Christianity brought by the early missionaries, and rather than a pa, the traditional fortified hilltop with wooden palisades and ample defence from attackers. It was laid out more like a European village, and there were no weapons allowed, aside those used for hunting. However, they were not at all interested in capitulating to the colonial authorities. And as the government started to wind up the land without any indication of parts being retained for the original inhabitants, the leaders spoke out against the injustice, and their followers peacefully disrupted survey expeditions, fenced off and planted across roads, and ploughed settlers grazing. For this extremely agricultural vandalism, they were declared bloodthirsty. Many were imprisoned, a group famous being sent all the way to the South Island, where they were put to hard labour building causeways in Dunedin. Inevitably, tensions rose, and despite the passive resistance being displayed by the Pākehaka group, a militia force was formed and marched on the settlement, where they met no armed or unarmed resistance. That is to say, the main obstacle was to be skipping children and offer offerings of bread and flowers. They arrested and displaced the 1,600 people living there over the series of a couple of weeks. There were threats, assaults, thefts and destruction of property, including the marae, reported rapes, a systematic series of gross injustices around the restrictions of public meetings, and there is little doubt that the place population faced starvation and hardship that would have killed many. But sad and ugly period of history that this was can't be called a massacre in the same way. Aside from conflicts during wars and natural disasters, this country hasn't seen anything like this recent event. The closest point of comparison being a situation at a prisoner of war camp in Featherston in 1943 where 48 Japanese were either killed or mortally wounded in the space of 30 seconds during what was apparently a riot or possibly a cultural misunderstanding, along with a guard who was struck by a ricochet. Other than that, there have been isolated instances. Up to this point, New Zealand may simply have been fortunate not to have seen a politically motivated mass shooting as it exists in the modern mode, but very much doubt that that possibility will ever be treated lightly again. So, thanks for enduring this little interjection. I hope it was at least somewhat enlightening. If you want to investigate more about the Maori Wars and so forth, Gate Pa is a fascinating example of military improvisation and straight-out ballsiness in the face of a wildly technologically superior enemy. 
it's quite a fascinating little, little story there. Thanks for indulging me, and uh, let's back to our let's go back to our conversation on the day. Thank you. I'm quite proud of the actions of the Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern. A lot of people have been doing a lot of work to very specifically distance themselves from this particular heinous act. However, the this outpouring is like it's fairly is a very natural sort of human reaction. But the effort that needs to go on from this is that where white nationalism, white supremacy pops up in its disguised forms, it's clear that you don't let that that rest. You kind of you've got to you've got to just push back on these little these little sort of tentative vocalizations and then these little acts and so forth because yeah there, there are some good resources i can surely put in the show notes about the way that these things iteratively build from grumble 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 to 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 more overt expressions which eventually well this this the the individual involved seems to have a very weird history just enables these sorts of things so yeah it's mm. been it's been a sobering it's in a sobering period of time and it's clear the future needs you know vigilance and compassion and this person is being treated in a way i wouldn't want to be treated i'm not going to let that go mm. yes we had the the discovery that christchurch has had for some time an openly neo-nazi insulation firm Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I thought you were you, you were about to claim that um, the 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 notion that Christchurch was full of skinheads wasn't widely known, but I did not realise they had gone into business to install pink bats. I guess that would appeal to them. But um, yeah, once once you see pictures of the vans, it was just okay. So there's a symbol that has apparently been adopted by the uh, the neo Nazis. Unlike any other contracting firm ever, they have their price on the side of the van being. Fourteen dollars and eighty-eight cents. Fourteen and eighty-eight being significant numbers in white supremacy, and also it's a font that's um, sort of a bit gothicy and damn near unreadable. But again, has that kind of Third Reichy vibe. Also, the company uniform is is camo uh, trousers. Wow, that goes way beyond dog whistling. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like Nazis ruin things. That is their that is their actual secret power. They take stuff and by associating with it, they screw things up. Everything from hand gestures to cartoon frocks, and the way the way they manipulate that is they say, "Oh, look, this this is the way we recognise one another," and it drives people who are politically not aligned with us, regardless of the reason, into a frenzy. And everyone else goes, "What? Why are you why are you complaining about the frog?" It's yeah. Should we not turn the podcast into that one? Um, this is the kind of event which does that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's uh, like, keep punching Nazis, guys. And um, yeah, just be aware that it's... While the that particular livery on a truck should attract comment, at very least, it, it starts even smaller than that. They, those folks were emboldened to do that stuff and were presumably driving around that truck for quite some time. So yeah, it starts. It starts small, and you got to be careful. It's pretty much the only, the only thing can come back from come back from that. And right, so the, these sorts of things, 
intersecting with the 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 idea of selected gave you pause and made put a lot of put a lot of roadblocks in to say to to where you were going to go with the idea so that's cool let's not go there that that doesn't need to be spoken of indeed so here's where i went instead and this is this is sort of skirting around bits but basically this put me in mind of church bands sometimes sometimes called worship bands as i understand it and yeah, the idea of the group of people who at various churches play music to well if i was being cynical i would say fill time if i um <laughs> was was not being cynical and was being somewhat more honest i would say to kind of create a sense of fellowship and and enjoyment and well yeah, it's ideally make the church service a little bit more interesting language probably started alongside music and singing and it's the kind of thing that i would be wildly interested if there was a religious group that forbade any sort of collaborative sound making that presumably there is because you know then for diversity of shit yeah. but <laughs> so, somebody will have decided that it's bad but yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so somebody else thought it was good somebody else thought it was bad of course um that is that is humans but yeah that would be a it's a fairly common feature because you know it's a collaborative communal kind of thing and possibly why i never approached such sort of venues because i got a tin ear and it's getting worse <laughs> church bands or yeah the, the the worship band and indeed depending on how you want to go with the the idea the occasional church band who actually go beyond their church to to being a bigger thing the occasional one who have just flat out broken out mainstream mm-hmm. who at least the ones i know of tend to downplay how they started a bit but in any case it got me thinking of okay what about the cthulhu cultist version of that wow okay and there are different ways there are different ways you can go with this. One of them basically led down the road that I have no interest in following whatsoever. Um, so I'm, I'm skirting around that one. But what I can see here is either a... Assuming you don't want to do a game of, hey, we're playing Cthulhu cultists, which kind of feels like the, we want to do an all-evil D&D game, in terms of no... I'm rather liking the idea of a game where you've got a bunch of people who, you know, they've joined the church. It's it's the town church. It's just how things go. Nobody pays it that amount of attention. It's kind of church as social hub is is the major focus here. They're part of the church band. And then kind of slowly they start to realize that there's some stuff out there that just ain't right. And these lyrics are having a weird effect on people. And how are we even pronouncing this shit? I could see a couple of approaches to that. and But, you know, you could make it an, an empathy game about people who have who come from a place that's a weird old religion and, well, they're inured to it and make it makes perfect sense to them. They, and, you know, they end up being picked up by some traveling musicologist who also you know does edm on the side and he they decide that suddenly you know, that would be a um that that these guys are really good and they should they should go they should see if they can tour and break out mainstream which could be unfortunate 
if but if you if you kind of assuming that you know the old gods are real and they want to eat, eat our souls, that kind of does put a different complexion on it. I am, I am more and more imagining it as kind of more of a farce version of a a Guy Ritchie film. Just because I'm liking the idea of you know, we are a secretive religion. It's what we do. We have oaths about it, and that's fine. And I know you've taken all the oaths, and you do definitely believe in it. But there's a problem here when you take our sacred texts, put an admittedly very fine baseline behind them, and put them on Spotify. Yeah, I, I don't think that the um, they're in any great uh, risk of being uncovered, considering the uh, my biggest regret about the Black Panther movie, other than seeing it the, the week my father passed away, was the fact that my favourite joke was between two white guys, and it's the one where Claw goes, I'll send you, I'll send you my SoundCloud link. It's like, no, please. <laughs> that is my deepest regret about that. It's like, oh. <laughs> the, the, the actors and so forth were, were great, but it's like, why did I find that so funny? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, just, I just loved the fact that people were able to make the joke because the fact that the two white actors have both been in Lord of the Rings films, that makes them the Tolkien white guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just liking the idea of this band who, you know, do, do worship music for the Church of Dagon, and they're playing a set at Tomorrowland. <sighs> Meanwhile, there's various church elders doing the... Okay, d- does anybody know what a YouTube is? Anyone <laughs> at all? Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know. You You could have it be a a complex journey with the band members trying to balance out this sudden fame and recognition and maybe even the idea that more people will hear the the, the bubblings of Dagon and um, <laughs> and and like but also the possibility you know that they that they feel that they might be leaving the old ways and so forth and and, and all this the stuff isn't 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 right it kind of depends to something that was going through a lot of of Lovecraft stories around there. I mean, particularly The Shadow Over Innsmouth, which is all about the Church of Dagon. There is a very strong thing running through there of, for want of a better word, bloodline impurity. That there's stuff lurking there that you didn't do, but there's nothing you can do about it. And yes. you will eventually grow guilds. Yeah, so that sort of neurosis is definitely a big thing within it. It's not just the the fear and hatred of the the of the this the stranger outside; it's the stranger inside kind of thing. Yes, I, I realise now he would not have been a big fan of the Shape of Water. That would have really um, oh, that would have baked his noodle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yep. Yeah. So depending on how you wanted to do it, you could definitely do if you wanted to go with a more serious game. You could do a game that is very much pushing back against that. That you've got these sixth generation members of the Church of Dagon, it's quite literally been in the family for a while, who are discovering a very much bigger world and deciding that no, actually, they don't want any part of that. And how do you break away from a culture and a church that is quite literally in your genetic code? I don't quite know how to run that game. 
Yeah. Uh, I barely know how to play that game, but um, that's kind of yeah. the, the more serious approach. The comedy approach perhaps has more legs to it. Not actually meaning that in a millipede kind of way, but I can see how you could interpret that. Yeah. That's a tricky one. I mean, I, I'm equally equally unfamiliar with the actual mechanics of religion and making music, so... the the. The world is full of tropes and ideas about these sorts of things, many of which I'm sure are hideously inaccurate. But, <sighs> yeah, yeah, I can see, I can see the awkwardness. I can see the whole, the whole problem with conflating belief and performance, and even just the idea of having those sort of things rub up against one another, and the idea of fame and so forth. I guess I guess that maybe the presupposition is that if you are playing bandmates in a like a rock biopic sort of thing, you're supposed to be go to these because the rock biopic has a very specific or has become to to have a very specific arc, and mm. some musicians' lives have been written rewritten in their biopics to fit that arc. There is a, something I saw recently that I'll have to get into the show notes. That down to the the fact that there was there was a parody um, a movie called Walk Hard the Dewey Cox story that actually did all of these beats but somehow didn't manage even though it took off all of these kind of tropes perfectly they're still making things like um, Bohemian Rhapsody and so forth yeah yeah so so that is kind of that's one of the things that you've got to be aware of I mean you could have just like characters who are in a band and it's not really that's not the sort of story it is but if you're telling some if you're telling a story about the music and it's spreading maybe um there is a a a game about cultists called soth but um out there which is largely about the escalation of trying to keep your cult hidden and it's about being bad people but it's more about being bad people under pressure okay less less of the um Ha ha ha! They've let us loose on this 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 unsuspecting fantasy realm. Ha 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 ha! Comes up with some things, and not a oh, I'm running low on dark side points. Mm, I punch a baby. I'd forgotten about that sort of. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh goodness! Yeah. Um, for the record, not something that happened in a game that I played in. <laughs> Was somebody's signature line on RPG Net? It's a really good signature line. Also a dreadful. It one. does. It does capture a whole idea, right, right there. Yep. So cool. Did we come to a conclusion? We talked around a lot, just a lot of stuff there. Um, I think it was basically. Yeah, there there are some different ways you can go with that one. If you could do a probably quite deep and a little bit harrowing. This is a story about religion. Game. Mm. I feel like you yeah. do need to 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 actively bring the culty stuff into it to kind of have any pretense of of basing it on the prompt well we 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 don't actually this is, the rules in in this particular church are pretty pretty loose so yeah, there's the, there's a possibility of making like an empathy game about people bringing their culture into into a wider world and discovering a possibly people are entertained by it because they think it's weird and funny or Feel, you know, feeling like they've been sh- they're being shunned or mistreated, or or the reactions are not what they 
would have thought. Whether you work in that, you know, there also there are legitimate reasons, legitimate soul-eating reasons for that, or these are just people being horrible. That's an exploration I don't think I, I certainly feel qualified to comment on. But there's a, I can see uh, I can see a chink of light through the uh, the half-closed curtains of my ignorance. Hmm. <laughs> so that's the a kind of that's a kind of you know the idea that it gets complex at that point because you're accusing somebody's belief system of somehow being brainwashing and so forth and it's like it's kind of what they're for but be careful because mm. that's where shitty ideas start for a degree so yeah yeah that's uh oh oh no oh, that's right i got uh i will link to a thread about somebody some role players of Asian heritage, giving unpaid co- consulting on racial on 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 race themes and, and metaphors to a guy who accidentally made the most racist role playing game ever. Well, okay, probably not the most racist, given given that Rehoa exists. Uh, yeah, and and there's like corny things like Oriental Adventures and so forth, just are out there. Mm. But he he made something to do with fortune cookies and so forth. And had all of the the cod misspellings and so forth, and the the, the terrible fonts. And it was kind of supposed to be like a tongue in cheek kind of chop socky kind of humorous thing. But he just managed. But he made it out of collecting all of the stereotypes and putting them in one place. And it's like it, it wasn't intended. It was just so. It's the the. The story I can't relate in, in, in its entirety, but An accidentally incredibly Accident- racist role playing supplement. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I could see that happening though. It's like it's 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 it wouldn't have taken very much effort to go, hey, person who who may have been personally affected by these sorts of these things in life, or you know, know a bit more about the history. What do you think about this? And you know, they would have like been in a you know, rather than at a con, <laughs> would have been in, like a closed room going, no, 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 no. If they'd done a little consult, a consultation, you know, got a few more opinions, which is kind of the uh, you know, maybe maybe a little bit of bit of empathy and understanding, they would have gone, oh no, that's a terrible idea. I do something different, <laughs> and they end up you know, rather than pouring time into something that is you know a. a like a minstrel show of a of a role playing game. It's like, Oy. it's not trivial, but it's also worth doing. Yeah. Awkward. Mm. Cool. So you. So yeah. So I think we got to the the crux of why that would be difficult to do, and how making this sort of this sort of game could be interesting, but not straightforward. It would be very easy for you to, to accidentally make a really, really offensive role-playing game. Hmm. Skirting that path where you don't accidentally make an incredibly offensive role-playing game would require a certain amount of tap dance. Well, yeah, just a bit of awareness, you know, mm. and checking in with, you know, folks who have, say, come out of, like, if you, I mean, this would be relatively difficult to do and you want to do it with your know, res- respect and recompense and understanding... But, you know, somebody came, if, you know, the closest equivalent I could think of was something like Glorivale, which is like this isolated Christian commune thing, which has been on TV more than 
alarming amount. They've kind of turned it to a reality TV show, which is a bit weird. I've not watched any of it. But I assume if you're doing something like that, some sort of isolated... Because the people worshipping Dagon or all these things, you could easily have it come from, like, Appalachia or something like that. You could say, oh, these are white folks. It doesn't... It, we, we, can, we, can, we can make fools of them. It's still... It's still not cool. <laughs> it, it isn't as much of a compounding of, of historical injustice, and it's sort of like, yeah. It is, this is kind of one of the, the awkward things of heck, that we are just two white guys talking about this sort of stuff, and it makes it harder for us to um, be coherent on this sort of front. But yeah, I guess just trying to be aware of it, mm. how it impacts other people, is a huge thing. I have looking around for show notes um, recently i discovered that vincent baker has stopped selling uh, dogs in the vineyard because he feels that it's inappropriate for him to a degree to actually because it's based heavily on mormonism he's felt like it's inappropriate that he was he was telling those sorts of stories so he's actually he's actually stopped producing that i don't think it stopped existing at all mm. but you know he's decided to go back on that. so it's a it's an interesting Interesting thing. That's, I, I guess there's also the, the... You want to avoid the idea that no one can talk about anything they haven't personally been affected by or they're part of. But it certainly means that if you do, you need to do a bit of outreach and find... Maybe talk to some folks. Not something I'm amazing at, to be honest, but... Hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. Is it IT plus nerd thing it happens? Yeah. Was something that occurred to me while you were... While, while, while we were discussing it, and I, I cannot 100% think of any, any specific artists, but I do remember at least one sort of period of my, my musical listening, probably adolescence, there was, it seemed like a, a, a sudden explosion of fairly well-known artists, possibly very well-known artists, going and recording with one hopes recording with people in very isolated communities in very very different cultures with very different musical mm. traditions and yeah. and doing albums based on it you're talking about Paul Simon aren't you i can neither confirm or deny because i'm genuinely blanking on i just remember these albums being around i can't mm. actually remember who did them i mean paul simon seems reasonable i have i'm sure there're probably others yeah, a, there was a big late eighties thing, and world music was mm. had never not been there, but it was also became it got brought forward and so forth. So people were looking for different sorts of sounds and so forth. And you know that's that's happened forever. Mm. It's just that you know people have become a bit more a bit more aware of where they're taking stuff from. I mean, I, one of my musical faves is um, in short, your sort of your dream pop kind of stuff, your Cocteau Twins and various things, and apparently. There are bands in Japan doing just the best, like, e- exploration of these sorts of things, because they've <laughs> pulled the stuff over from sometime in, you know, the, the 80s, and they've been working away at it ever since, because Cocktail Twins has not been functionally a band for a very long time. <laughs> so it's like, huh, excellent. So there's... But, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. It, it's a tricky thing. Attribution and, you know, acknowledging your sources. A lot of folks especially in, in music, it's kind of inescapable to say that, you know, you don't have any influences. Mm. I was sort of pondering that idea and basically pondering, okay, so how do we take that and turn it into a game? And uh. ended up with a weird cross between 
Gremlins and Mr. Vampire. Gremlins? The... The movie. The movie. The movie right. Gremlins. Because uh, basically, well, Gremlins is effectively all about this is what happens when you get hold of a thing that you don't really know what you're you're dealing with, but you think you do. Well, you you, you treat part of someone else's cultural ecology like it's a pet. Yeah, bad things happen, but you do get that bit with the microwave. So yeah, <laughs> things in roundabouts. Um, I would that was, that, that, that was a fantastic bad scene. things, and the the, <laughs> the entire true. musical sequence in Gremlins too. Yes. Um, but I digress. It's, it's, it's a feature rather than a bug. So my thinking was, yeah, Mr. Vampire has is well worth well worth watching. I'd avoid mm. the dub if I was you, but personal preference. Yeah, Mr. Vampire is all about hopping hopping vampires. Um, it has the 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 Taoist action priest character in it. Some literally amazing physical comedy. Oh yeah, the, the hungry ghosts that. Um, completely stiff-bodied hop towards their prey to to sink their their sharpened nails into them. That is just the, uh, some feats of athleticism. Just in the the the, the throwaway monster character is pretty remarkable. Yeah. So yes, the idea of doing basically doing a game in which you've got this this culture. I mean, we can we can go with classic Lovecraft country. But basically, some music producer, yeah, Peter Gabriel, whoever, has, has, has found out about the, the weird and interesting and fascinating cultural songs of this tiny little New England fishing village. And mm. they've gone and they've, they've recorded stuff and they managed to get people on side because these people haven't had a lot of contact with the outside world. They were, didn't really care that much. And they didn't 100% understand what the effect of a album of Chance to Dagon going platinum might be. And suddenly there's a problem. Yeah. And they're yeah. the only ones who know how to deal with it. Right. It's it's very much the, um, oh brother, we're out there. He'll, he'll pay you $10 to sing into his can. Kind of a little thing. bit, yeah. You've, you've got that. And then it's, what do you mean it went platinum? But, but what does that mean? How, how does a, how, how does a song go platinum? That makes no sense. That would just sound terrible. Oh, oh, ooh, yeah. Okay, that could be bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, there would be no problem with anybody singing hymns to Dagon as long as they had the correct alt. Oh, oh. Okay, I see where this is going wrong. Yes. Well, you see the 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 chance to close the portals on the B side and. <laughs> Apparently nobody is in a state to turn the album over at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, see, no, it, tu- it turns out they cut a little bit because it didn't fit, fit the backbeat. Oh, <laughs> that could be bad. Yes, or the um, frequencies just aren't audible to the human ear or your your contemporary recording equipment. So, yes, all of the safety mechanisms have been left out. Yes. Do, do, I mean, can we be sure that this is happening? The city of Phoenix is knee-deep in squid. Okay, so yeah, that's totally happening. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that would be more of the comedy version of it. Thank God for that. Okay, we should probably go and deal with this, because, you know, the blessings of Dagon aren't for everybody, and in particular, if you don't know how to turn off the blessings of Dagon, that can get really annoying. So, like the movie Cast a Deadly Spell, kind of. Magic is part of the world, and this is a slightly esoteric 
sort of magic that has taken everyone quite by surprise. I'm, I I hadn't thought of it from that point of view. I was thinking of it from the point of view that the the, yeah, the magic is is very much a part of their world, hmm. but not part of the the wider outside world. Right. So okay. they didn't understand the so this this guy wanna come wants to come and set up a can while we, we do church services? Okay, seemed a little weird. Yeah, yeah. That's a culture clash. That yeah. valiantly struggling to undo the squid rain and, and before thing before things get more serious. Yes. Trying to persuade the um yeah, the recording studio who now just don't want to know anything about you because, frankly, they've got your money um, or they've got the thing from you that makes the money that, no, this is going to get worse and worse. No, you are actually doing this. <laughs> yes. Father yeah, Father Dagon is blessing you, like, a lot. Seriously, you're going to start growing tentacles soon. <laughs> yes. Or eventually, Father Dagon's going to turn up and want to know what all this blessing was in aid of. Yeah. <sighs> yep. It's the thing. He's noticed a significant, significant uptick in blessing output and is wondering exactly when things start rolling back. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Mm. The record industry angle does lead into my vague amusings. Dignify the name of an idea. See, folks? It's like we plan this stuff. Almost, indeed. Um, I happen to come across a bunch of things about slow music, which, you know, and... and people talking about how slow can tempo be on a piece of music and folks have figured it's maybe about 33 beats per minute because your brain stops associating beat one with beat two after a length of time we stop recognizing it as a rhythm it's just vaguely regular disconnected sounds okay you can you can apparently you buy interpolating the, the, the segments of the rhythm in between and internalizing that sort of like, you know, a, a beat every four, you know, a beat every four seconds or something. You, you go, you can chop that up and, and count that off internally, but still, it, it gets a bit weird after a time. But people have been playing with the idea of how long a piece of music takes. And there was Composition 1960, uh, number seven, uh, by Lamont Young. is a B and an F-sharp held for as long as possible. So until your fingers get tired, or somebody gets tired of you and unplugs the keyboard. This, these things are written, this particular one's written on a napkin, and that is like the entirety of the instructions. But people have extrapolated like 45-minute performances you know, of various pieces and various instruments kind of holding different holding holding different sections of it so that you know no, none of the musicians die in the middle of the performance because <laughs> they're, they're 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 pretty hardcore but they're not that hardcore and there was another thing about john cage's organ 2 slash aslsp which is a very weird acronym for as slow as possible mm-hmm. which is predicted to take 639 years to play it's been running for a couple of a decade and a decade or two now. <laughs> and it's basically an organ recital where notes are played here and there. <laughs> is this is this one of these ones where people will turn up just to hear the note change? Exactly. It's the wow. the Hardstart Cathedral where they they they're like some six hundred years ago they installed a really cool modern organ and then and now they've they've got something driving it that's occasionally changing notes and yeah, and talking about the idea of this 
the the fact that the this the sound is so continuous and pervasive and goes on and then changes is another sort of that the, there's a sort of a, a break of tension as it seems like because of the glacial pace of everything that's going on there's a it seems like a huge shift and so forth so yeah but you know the idea is that like well that's tempo as far as humans perceive it songs of the old gods might take a little longer maybe we are part of one of those songs or at least the the an audience to one that we don't and we're not actually aware of it so wondering running those sorts of things through my uh, through my head i also recently became aware that the beatles 1968 the white album is not called the white album it's called the beatles because it was 1968 and the beatles could do any fucking thing they want uh, so they released an album with their name on it embossed and no other things apart from the the print number so you know, people could fight over who had number five as like oh okay that's cool it's the beatles fair enough um this has not stopped though and apparently weezer or all people every other album they've been doing for the last goodness knows how long at this point has just been called Weezer and been a different colour <laughs> they're up to teal at this point I'm like <laughs> Weezer's fine but I was thinking like 1995 or whatever the hell yeah and it does seem like a very Weezer thing to do it rather does I so and the idea that the colour out of space is like the band Weezer has gotten through all shades they get through, and they are now on to um, octarine or, <laughs> or indescribable other... colours because they do not interact with our eyes using photons anymore. Yes, yes. So that's a kind of notion. Combining the sort of at the corner of those two ideas is the band Klaatu. Okay famous for being mistaken for a secret Beatles project after the Beatles split. It turned out genuinely to be a Canadian band who didn't, who, who only wanted it to be um, references. Klaatu, and they did Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft, um, which you've probably heard. Okay. It's like, like on, on weird classic rock stations. Very, very happy, proggy kind of stuff. And it does... People that sort of thought they could detect Beatles-esque playing styles and singing in it. And the idea of the Beatles, you know, after presumably the freaking White Album and all that stuff, had, had, had collaborated and released at least an album under a completely bullshit name. While pretending to be Canadian. Well, no one knew at that point. They did the, 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 the record company said, no one, no one, they're not doing any press at the moment. Um, mm. But Ringo Starr had done... A, a a solo album with himself as Klaatu next to Gort on the um, on the cover and things like that. People started to put the conspiracy stuff together and it's kind of oh right yeah 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 and it's like ooh and yeah so but turned out not to be but you know I presume they got a few sales out of being mistaken for the Beatles and there being a conspiracy around it. So fun stuff. Prob now probably happens these days. I'm I'm still not aware of it. Also things like um, the band King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I was expecting more of a reaction to that. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I mean, I've also heard of 
Greg Turner and the blood, uh, blood-drained tech cows and when people were shorter and lived by the water. True. I, I, I get, generally get a good reaction from that name. So yes, I, I know you, you, if you're... Um, I, we st- I still haven't tracked down the, the, the band Dearly Beheaded. <laughs> that apparently existed some point in the apocryphal in the 90s, which would say for that, that exists now. The internet is, is capturing all these things. But yes, they did like the um, Nonagon Infinity album, which is a loop. It goes to end to end. Yeah. But the I yeah, the idea of a a record collector hunting through the stacks looking for this ultimate rear pressing of this 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 mystic plugged in band and trying to find their totally incomprehensibly titled Colour Out of Space album. It kind of appeals to me. Um yeah it, it, Having ricocheted through all these sorts of references so far, I'm not sure what sort of game you would make out of it. I I can think of a couple. You know, the one that came to mind when you were talking about sort of somebody going through looking for this rare pressing was there is an Alan Dean Foster book hmm. uh, called Cyberway, which basically has as part of it. The idea that um, I think Navajo sand paintings, or certain mm, very mm. specific Navajo sand paintings, when combined with you know, the particular songs, effectively provide access to a an alien something, which you could see sort of using the same idea for you know you've got somebody who's who's going looking for this album because. It turns out that with all the... No, if you play the album backwards while staring at a tarot card and all this sort of thing... No, actually, if you just play this album and listen to it under the right circumstances, it does really weird shit. Hmm. Or maybe it's a sequence and you have to line them up. Yeah. And and, and play them in sequence to get the, the full the full resounding effect. Actually, the Black Tapes podcast was... I think they might be turned into a TV show, which is interesting but they have an idea of a piece of music that's supposed to end the world and so forth, and it slowly unfolds this mystery about various occulty things. It's pretty good, except for the occasional conceits where they say they've recorded things because they're a podcast, but you wouldn't record them even if you were a podcast kind of thing. So stuff happening live and then being put into the, the podcast episode doesn't quite jibe. Hmm. But cool. That's, a, that's another thing entirely. It's yeah. fun, but... So you could you could get you could get quite a fun investigation sort of detective story out of that one. You know, if you've if you've got to get all of the Color Out of Space albums, you know, because they only did a certain number of pressings, but yeah, somebody's been out there collecting them and they've started to get more aggressive with their collection process. Right. So you're effectively I mean, I am more or less reciting the early stages of the plot of Cyberway here, and just throwing that one okay. out there. So there's the potential for for a thing there that, yeah, for whatever reason, and somehow this band produced their Color Out of Space album, which looks a little weird, but when you line up all of the the special edition vinyl picture discs and you play them at just the right spacing, then it does these things, and... It turns out it might be a really, really good idea to stop that from happening. You've sent me straight back to a 2000 AD one-panel comic about aliens using mind control, using it, testing it in a disco. It's like, ah, excellent. 
over sixty percent of the humans reacted with with wild aggression to our uh, to our mind control music. Do not worry, none will be able to resist the twelve inch mega mix. Because <laughs> that was very much the thing. The, <laughs> yeah, that was very much the style of the early eighties. The um, the the mega mixes and so forth. Yeah. Mm. It it does feel like one of those slow reveal kind of where our investigators were investigating something. Huh. This guy was you know, this guy this this place was broken into weird. And they took a bunch of albums, that's bizarre. Oh, this might have something to do with something else, and they built a picture of like, yes, some vinyl aligned cultist is building their ultimate collection of the the the, you know, the record collection that will summon the great old ones, so, because you know obviously the vinyl has a, like a warmer sound. I mean, they're the old ones. Obviously, they're going to be into analog. Absolutely, that's just science. <laughs> yep. Yep. <sighs> so, so we ended up there a little bit earlier than expected. But so have have we kicked that one around enough? Do you think? I think so. It, yeah. We have had a. We have kind of had a bad time because of the, uh, the timing, and, and we are by no means experts, or I, I would claim to be even, like, dimly familiar with the sort of stuff, but, yeah. yeah. I, I think we, we, we have done what we can, we can leave the rest to future generations. Greater minds than our own, <laughs> by which we mean the audience. And speaking of the audience, we've got some some notions from Out in the Void... Indeed, for the, um, well, this is a suggestion and then some follow-up about uh, gar- the Gardeners of the Emperor um, episode. Interesting choice. Okay. Yep. <laughs> well, basically, last episode. Mm. So, Taz wrote, I originally drew a blank on this theme, but your discussion did spark an idea or two. Yes! Running with the gardeners as shapers of the emperor and empire, I wondered what system would work with that and what kind of threat or challenge would actually matter to a coven of prescient manipulators. Simple. The emperor is dead. Assassinated. Who could have seen that coming? Well, you. That was your job and somebody outmaneuvered your group. (laughs) You had one job. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Yes. It's like the dinosaur supervisor in... um, in Phil Tippett. Yep. yep. In in Jurassic Park, yeah, you had one job, man. <laughs> yeah, one job, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the dinosaurs were fine. <laughs> the safety coordinator <laughs> fell asleep on the job. <laughs> that, that, that is true, actually. Presumably, the supervisor was. Hey, Velociraptors, you doing okay? Yeah, we're cool. Awesome. Awesome. Are you gonna eat those kids? Oh yeah. Cool. Carry on. <laughs> man, behind the scenes on that film would have been weird. Okay, so. Who could have seen it coming? Well, you. That was your job, and somebody has outmaneuvered your group. The only way to salvage the lineage is to ensure that the heir survives. My go-to tool for stories of betrayal and trust is The Trouble with Rose, with its built-in traitor mechanic. Each of the PCs are gardeners, and built into the characters are the seeds of their power and distrust. After all, it takes a gardener to fool a gardener. What's delicious about using trouble for the game system is that three of the four hidden agendas, romance, greed, and death, are against the gardener's creed, and only the defender is truly loyal to the cause. Because of the highly narrative nature of troubles, it's perfect for precognitive hijinks in improbable coincidences. 
I jump out of the window and land on the passing truck I knew was going to be there. The control of the ending scene is also very appropriate for the winning gardener to tell how their version of the future will play out. Hmm. John crops up with, Of course, with the trouble with Rose, there's always the chance that the players all get the death hidden agenda. And uh, Tez responds, That would be hilarious. Gardener 1. Look, can't we just agree that we need to kill the bitch and start over? Gardener 2. Yeah, but the creed says it has to look like an accident. Gardener 3. The Emperor got shot in the head with a 13mm anti-material rifle. We are long past the accidental death stage of the plot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. Cool. Mm. I do like and it is Yes. It is a nice way of getting around the whole, oh, everybody's psychic. Everybody knows what the future holds aspect of it. That's quite fun. Yes. Hmm. Rather nicely. Does make me wonder what the, what, what version of the various um, uh, hidden agendas is the... Okay, so I change my name and I run away. Well, thanks for that. That was awesome. Yes. I think that's probably us. Okay. Well, that might have been a bit of a downer episode, but we will see what comes next time. Oh, thank you for listening, audience. That one was a bit more of a downer than... Certainly I expected, and I rather suspect you expected. Uh, I, had a, I had a suspicion. Mm. I have other things going on at the moment, which means, uh, means my uh, I might be a bit gloomy. So, what's, what's left is the next poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've decided that since, unfortunately, I will be a witty man with my dangerous bottle... Despite the vote early, vote often um, approach that I have been advocating, has not been doing that well in the polls. So we're giving it a bit of time to recover. And so for the next poll, the prompt options are it's all downhill from here, which planet soccer, two newbies, everything is alive on the spaceship from Thunderstep, and tomb temperature from Anillan. Cool. That one feels like a gulo tea. I won't roll that out. Yeah. <laughs> that, that seems like the sort of thing that might have come from a gulo tea. Hmm. So, thanks everyone. Thanks everyone for putting up with us. Being maudlin all over the internet, eh? Yeah, yeah. Like we do. And, well, thanks everyone for their contributions and ideas. And we will see what comes our way next time for Big Red Couch... Number one, two, three. Oh, goodness, we're all consecutive. Hmm. Another bizarre milestone. The numerological significance of the show continues to increase. Indeed. Well, yes, the numbers get higher. That is how numbers work. Thank you, Craig. We are clearly not any sort of cultists of any repute. Because you tacked that last bit on there, I can't go with the, we could totally be cultists. We're just really bad at it. But no, you've... You've covered your bases on that one, yes. The, yeah, the, the cult enough. of the big red couch, unlikely to take off. Just throwing indeed, it out there. Indeed. At least from a numerological basis. This is fair. Mm. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, and we will see you next time. Have a good one, everyone. Bye. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? 
Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.